Welcome to another episode of Horror in Gaming with Mitch, uh, one of our Patreon episodes that we offer from Bring Down the Grindhouse. And today, I'm going to be discussing the end of my playthrough of Witcher 3 with my good friend, Tag. Tag, introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Tag. I play a lot of video games. Mitch is cool. Uh... I'm bad at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that was good though. That was a good that was good. That was good. I, I invited Tag on here because he has played through uh, The Witcher much more extensively than I have. And so I wanted to get some more uh perspective on this video game I just recently finished. First of all. So Tag, what was your uh past with the Witcher series? Did you play one and two? Um, so I've played all of Witcher 2, that was my initial, like, introduction to the Witcher games, and then I've played through Witcher 3, like, once, but I've, like, basically 100% of the game just being a mad lad doing, like, literally everything, except Gwen, because I'm bad at Gwen. <laughs> uh, dude, same. Like, Gwen is, like, I hear a lot of people say, though, they're like, oh, I, like, played The Witcher, but I got stuck playing Gwent all the time, so I never finished yeah. the game or something like that, and then I just didn't, the card game aspect did not appeal to me as much, like, I attempted yeah. it, but it wasn't as enjoyable as it for me anyway it wasn't as enjoyable for me um yeah my my history essentially goes into i played like the first like the part of witcher one and i did not mm-hmm. like the uh the combat stylings in that one it's a really old yeah game. it's very old and it was very hard for me to get into it so i kind of dropped it and quit that's what i kind of heard like after i finished witcher 2 i was like i kind of want to go back to one and see what that's all about about but i've heard a lot of things that like witcher one was kind of like since it was like the first game or whatever it was kind of like super clunky and i guess it just hasn't aged super well yeah it's not it's definitely not it's like trying to play some of those like computer rpgs from like back in the day nowadays yeah it's really like it's kind of finicky they're very old and whatnot and it it just kind of had that feeling to me like there's a lot of like these in like strange mechanics and like weird like button interactions and things like that and i yeah it didn't feel as like smooth as witcher 3 and witcher 2 combat did and i i played witcher 2 and i was more immersed in that one when i played it yeah for sure and i didn't but i didn't finish it either that's the other thing i did, okay. didn't finish it either i don't remember what the reasoning what the reasoning for it was i think i just got over it somehow <laughs> i don't know and then just forgot. yeah exactly just oh just forgot about it it wasn't as i guess it wasn't as engaging for me, maybe I didn't really know enough about what was going on in the world, etc., yeah. etc. Uh, and then I played The Witcher Three and got very sucked into it. I think there were a lot of things about Witcher Three they improved on from Two. Yeah, uh, like uh, <laughs> your oils and stuff like that. I think in Witcher Two you you didn't just automatically keep them forever. I think you had to actually go and like farm stuff for them again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you had to farm like materials for them, and you weren't able to apply them on the fly. You actually had to like stop and like meditate before combat, and then like drink your potions and apply your oils. Which I think is in- is intuitive if you're trying to get like the realism sense from like a your life. Yeah, in-, in a sense, but I think that like gameplay wise, it felt really clunky, and I just kind of wanted to go 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 sort of thing. It's one of the yeah, it's one of those like novelty mechanics that kind of loses its luster after like four hours into the game and you're like, oh shit, I have the wrong oil on and I need to get out of here. 
yeah, exactly. Go back and collect them all again. Blah blah yeah. blah. And it just kind or of like, felt like what, a uh, what when when your swallow potion runs off and suddenly your health regen is like just non-existent. So yep. you get hit by one attack and you're like, oh fuck, I'm dead. Yep, exactly. Uh, would you consider um The Witcher to be in part a horror game? Uh. Yes, but, like, not, like, in your face about it, you know? Like, it's an aspect of the game, I'd say, but not, like, oh, this is a horror game, like... Yeah, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that either, not at all. Yeah. There are definitely elements in it, for sure. Um, that's just kind of, like, the dark, the dark fantasy sort of thing, so it kind of touches on a bit of horror, but it's not, like, oh, man, this is, like, you're gonna play Resident Evil 7, get real spooked. Yeah, exactly. No, it definitely isn't, isn't that level, for sure. But I, I feel like there's a lot, like, a lot of the monsters and whatnot are very interesting. Do you have any uh, uh, enemies and whatnot in the game that you really liked? Um, it kind of depends. Like, sometimes I'd fight stuff and the AI would just be, like, really dumb, so it'd be super funny. But then it'd be, like, really dumb in an annoying way. <laughs> <laughs> like, they get stuck behind a tree or something and are, like, going around in circles trying to, like, yeah. figure out where they're going. Um, Probably like, some of my favorite fights were actually related to, um, I think, the Ancient Lesson. That was a really fun one. Mm-hmm. Partly because, like, I was doing a sign build for my Witcher 3 playthrough, and I started out, like, maxing out everything for Igni, so anything that was vulnerable to fire was just, like, a joke. <laughs> but... The, legend, the ancient legend, surprisingly, actually did put up, like, a pretty decent fight, despite being, like, me being its living kryptonite. Yeah, no, I, that, that's that's pretty interesting. I, the ancient le- is the ancient legend a big, uh, the big antlered creature thing? Yeah, the tree druid thing. Yeah, yeah, those things. Okay, gotcha. No, those were very, I really liked that aspect of the game, once yeah. you start getting into, like, all the druidic stuff. And yeah. I, that, I loved that aspect. And I, you know, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known that a lot of this was based on Slavic mythology if I hadn't done any reading and whatnot on it. Oh yeah, like most of which is kind of based off like Slavic Polish mythos. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, I, I love that. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a side of like European mythology you like never really see or hear about too much. Yeah, uh, you might you might see like it being portrayed, but it won't be as in your face. In it. Especially like even the music choices for this game are very much like very Slavic in origin, how they sound and whatnot too. Love the music in Witcher oh, Three. Oh, absolutely! Oh yeah, it's a fantastic soundtrack. Easy, easily yeah. fantastic With- soundtrack. Witcher Two still has like some songs that I'll return to very often, but like Witcher Three is just it's got so much more. It's well rounded. Awesome. Uh, all right, so we're gonna go on to uh, your first time playthrough decisions that you made in The Witcher Three, and we'll see if we can uh, what is it? Like, compare, contrast our own decisions. Okay. So from the very beginning, uh, I believe one of the first big decisions you make is dealing with the Red Baron. Yes, I believe because White Orchard, nothing really goes down in White Orchard except for like intro stuff. It's it's the tutorial, basically. Yeah, exactly. Very expanded tutorial, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. No, no I, I did enjoy that too because it didn't feel like a tutorial area really. Yeah, I'm I'm liking the direction that some games are going with like how they use like tutorials in a sense where it's like um instead of being like, you know, baby's first video game, let's hold your hand and like tell you how each thing works. 
having sort of like an intro stage where you have some time to kind of like mess around with the game but still play the game and progress yeah no Uh, absolutely no i i agree with you on that one i'm trying to think of some games that did like a really good intro area aside from witcher 3 dark souls 3 (laughs) oh yeah doesn't yeah dark souls 3 does have an intro area doesn't it yeah, it's basically like you have a little bit of an area with like enemies you can like one to two shot, and then you have Gundir, and it's like, all right, this is the tutorial. <laughs> Welcome to Dark Souls Three, bitches. <laughs> and now you're <laughs> fucked. <laughs> um, so, edition. So how did you go about? How did your Geralt go about dealing with the Red Baron? Uh, so Geralt was very. Uh, fixated on trying to find Siri, and I basically like extensively exhausted like any Red Baron dialogue or any like assistance that I could provide him in order to kind of further my quest. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like a lot of it was kind of like spur of the moment, like anything that could make his life a bit easier, maybe he'd be more willing to provide like the information I want to hear. Mm-hmm. So, like, I ended up going the route where you turn the botchling into the lubberkin and all that. I did. I did turn to the. I did turn the botchling into a lubberkin. I do remember being really harsh with the Baron because I. I was legit on the side of this dude just beats his wife. He's a drunk that beats his wife. That yeah. Is, that, and like, I, think I they, still they, gave him shit along the way, but yeah, no, of course, because because he's an asshole. But it it. it <laughs> Um, but at the same time, you kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know. I mean, his, his storyline ended, ended really darkly for me in this whole thing where it was basically, he basically hung himself at the end of my my playthrough. That's the (laughs) ending that I got for that storyline. And I'm trying to remember what I, what I did that made it happen that way. But I know that I did the loverkin bit and saved and saved his like unborn child and basic and basically then I did the whole the whole bit with the witches, the the crones. Yeah. Um which I love them, first of all. Like they're just they're great. <laughs> just like... Honestly, probably the biggest bit of catharsis for me in that game was when I finally got to like take the sword to the witches. Mm-hmm. That was really nice because I just remember them being like so like antagonizing throughout all of my endeavors, like Every single string that brought me back to that fucking swamp with the crones, and I was like, "God damn it, these bitches again!" Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. They they <laughs> definitely made a very good like like uh, repetitive uh, yeah. antagonist for the game for sure. But it wasn't like it wasn't like Disney villains or like your average villain. They were just like they were antagonizing, but not villains. And yeah. then the real nail in the coffin for me was when they stole like series medallion or whatever. And I was like, "All right, these bitches gonna go." Yeah, no joke, no joke. I, uh, I, I think that what caused the Baron to die is that I was feeling a bit, what is it, sympathetic somehow, and I released the nightmare instead of destroying the nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what ended up having the Baron off himself at the end because it caused uh. a whole bunch of problems. I'm not sure if that, if that is like one of like the the, the tubes in the storyline at all. I, I honestly don't know. Did your Baron survive or no? Um, so, let's see, I'm, like, trying to rack my brain, because, like, I started a Death March playthrough, and I'm, like, just starting to get into the real meat of it again, 
whereas uh, a lot of this stuff was done like back in 2017 18 for me mm-hmm. but i'm like 90 percent sure that my baron survived right gotcha um do uh, i don't i don't know do you remember if his like like wife and uh I, his daughter definitely is not gonna go back she refuses because she joins the um what is that what is that cult like the anti-witch cult or anti-caster cult uh the witch hunters yeah i think i think that's who she joins is was the witch hunters i believe um and then i forget yeah it's it's been it's been some time for me too it's been a while since since i was able to uh, get this yeah. episode up and rolling it was a very long game and it took a lot of I have like two other episodes of just me on this. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm pretty sure like a lot of what is tied to like the Baron surviving or not is if his wife survives like some kind of curse or whatever. Oh yeah, his oh that's right because she she's turned into into a hag, I believe. Essentially is what yeah. it is by them. And then uh and then you have like the option of like offing her or finding a way to fix the curse. And then even when you do fix it, it didn't even like. I think I I went to go find all the dolls and everything, and it just wasn't enough to save her, and she still ended up dying. Yeah. And then I was just, it was just, and oh, my story does not get better from here on out. It just gets, <laughs> it gets yeah. more depressing as I go on. Um, it's kind of like kind of a big tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Uh, what was the uh, what's the second major? What's the next big decision? Kind of kind of plot line after that one. I think it's working uh, with Deegstra, isn't it? Deegstra. I think it kind of depends on like where you go mm-hmm. after Red Baron, because it's like after after a little bit, the world kind of like starts to open up to you once you finish like White Orchard and like get enough uh, like gear and abilities to start kind of holding your own against stuff. You can just kind of go wherever you want. So. If you go to, like, Novigrad, you can do stuff there. Uh, if you go to... I forget the name of the town, but basically there's the... Um, uh, that other king who's, like... It's a little, like, bridge town. There's, like, two bridges in and out. There's, like, the Red King or whatever. Yeah, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember. It's not in Novigrad, though. It's in one of the other the other areas. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, it's, like, Novigrad is kind of like in a war against this guy or whatever he's trying like there's there's a plot chain you can do to basically decide who gets novigrad and it can be like dijkstra it can be the king or it can be nilfgaard okay uh yeah no it was it was the king that's on the boat it's the king that's on the ship right yeah yeah, i know him that guy i'm trying to remember what the fuck his name is oh my god Uh, i don't i think it's i didn't interact with him enough to be honest i really didn't I don't. I think I did like a few quests, and then there was one that was like talking about trying to assassinate him. I think. Radovid. Radovid. Yeah, that's right. There we go. That's why we were like that's, the red guy. Yeah. <laughs> the rad guy, rather. The rad guy. He yeah, wears guy. red. He's bald and fucking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy. That guy. Um, yeah. I never. Uh, I tried to help Diegstra out, and then pissed off Diegstra. I remember because I think I ran off with some money. I think that I owed him or something like that. So he didn't want to help me later on. And I don't, I don't think, I think, I think Radovid got away from me, but I was able to convince some of his like old war buddies of, of Geralt's from like previous games to help him out later. Yeah. 
so yeah, I didn't I didn't really I didn't really delve too much into that. I didn't actually get like an owner of this of Novigrad really. I never established uh, one. I don't think that's like that's like a really big kind of like plot thing that happens and yeah i don't know is it is it i don't know if it's possible to skip that maybe my memory is just really bad and i don't remember exactly what i did <laughs> yeah i'm trying to remember too because it's like it feel it felt like an optional quest because the uh, of just i don't know it didn't feel important to what i was doing but i was also going for like as much shit as i could do so i'm, I'm pretty sure i ended up with Oh god, I'm trying to remember too now because it's like basically um I'm partial to Tamaria because my like initial introduction to Witcher was with Witcher 2 where uh Geralt is like basically a retainer to the king of Tamaria and then um you, you essentially get framed for the assassination of the king in the second game and that's how like that starts out which is why it's you know witcher 2 assassins of kings um but like some of some of the guys who are like their boots on the ground with you they know like ah i know you didn't do it but <laughs> um but you're pretty much caught dead to rights with like the king's head at your feet with your sword in hand you're just like ah fuck oh man no that was that so that was the big deal with uh with with the witcher 2 right yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and so going about like clearing your name and solving like this conspiracy plot, and then there's like some sorceresses who from the lodge who are like stirring up some shit too to basically like overthrow kings, and it's complicated. Oh and yeah, I no, only it's, remember it's... like details from it. I mean, but... I mean, the the Witcher is is such a vast universe and such a vast story as well. It's it's yeah. very much expanded and. Um... I think that uh, we we should get back onto uh, comparing our playthroughs. So yeah. after after we deal with Novigrad and um, Digstra and all of that, I believe you can either go to uh, what's the name of the like the Scottish I the Scotsman Skellige. Island Skellige. I think you can go to Skellige afterwards to meet up with Yennefer. Yeah. Um, yes, and then uh, let's see. I mean, from all these other, there's a whole bunch of like moments in between that though, such as like taking Triss to the party. And doing yeah. all these other things as well, which I was that's that was totally my ship in that game. That was my attempted ship in that game. Was attempting was attempting to uh, I I can't I can't hand I can't I was either the black haired one or the red headed one. I know, right? And it's like, do I get do I get this hot goth GF or do I go for the fiery redhead? And I was like, this is an impossible choice. Yeah, there's there's nothing you can do here. But I felt <laughs> that Triss was more homely, and I felt I felt more uh, more at ease. I felt like I was like, all right, Geralt, Geralt can be more at ease with her, and I think yeah. it'll be all right. Plus, plus, come on now, their lighthouse love scene is one of the cutest fucking things ever. That's that's hilarious, dude. Yeah. Like with <laughs> they, like <laughs> they're interrupting the signal fire, and the dudes are in the boat, and they're like, wait, it's a message. It's a message. What? Write it down. It's <laughs> <laughs> just nonsense. Yeah. And it's just they're like they're like love making is making this little flashing light up in the lighthouse and whatnot. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. So um, yeah, little little funny story about my like romance in uh, Witcher Three is initially because I came from two, I was very partial to Triss because she's like basically your love interest in the second one because mm -hmm. Geralt has amnesia from like dying or something but also not dying 
Right. <laughs> the cutscene is very confusing. Right. Um, <laughs> and so, like, Yennefer doesn't exist in Witcher 2 at all. Like, she's just, like, a memory of, like, two two lines of dialogue in a cutscene when you, like, have no, no traction in the game at all. It's just all, like, Dandelion narrating them. It's like, oh, yeah, this thing happened. Geralt got mad and killed some people, and then the peasants killed him, and then he got taken to an island by a like black-haired lady and then he has no memory of her or something like that and then like Triss is there trying to restore your memories and then you know some stuff so very partial to Triss initially and then I started interacting with Yennefer and I was like fuck because it's like with Triss it feels kind of like almost like a friends with benefits sort of arrangement Mm -hmm. honestly and then Yennefer is like a true like love interest Understood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, Yennefer is definitely like the is definitely the the, the fuck buddy in the yeah. relationship, and uh, and then Triss. Tr- Triss or or oh, Triss is the fuck buddy in the relationship. Yeah. Understood. Yeah, so initially, I was very partial to Triss, and then once I discovered Yennefer, I was like, okay, I I need to change this. So I I uh, did a little bit of black magic, opened up the console, and turned off the Triss flag and then I hadn't done Yennefer's quest line yet, so I could still, like, let that progress naturally, in air quotes. Okay, understood, yeah. yeah. I guess, I guess you and I... View switching it, oh, to Yen. See, <laughs> I, I guess I guess I pretty much, I, at least it, to me, I guess, I felt like uh, Triss was more of the romance, was more of the romance, and then Yennefer was more of the fuck buddy. Okay. That that that's just my perception though, and that was just yeah. basically like, and then I, I guess that's kind of like the, the the situation. But it might be different depending on what you did in Witcher Two if you carry over that save. So, um, not really. A lot okay. of like Witcher Two is it's kind of like there's a lot of like callbacks to stuff. Like there's the Temerian Resistance that you can meet up, and if you did Witcher Two and import that save, they're like, "Hey, what up, Geralt?" Uh, Let's, let's do some stuff again. Right. Um, one of the... Uh, I say romance options, but Witcher 2 didn't really have a romance system. It basically was just all like, there's fuckable characters. And... <laughs> so there's that, and like, the... Um, you can make slutty the... Geralt, or you can be uh, not slutty Geralt. Dude, I was a slutty Geralt. <laughs> My Geralt's always uh, adventuring the land, dick in hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that, uh, I, I don't think that I passed up opportunities either. I was just like, I don't give a fuck, I'm a witcher, whatever. I know, I'm sterile. Ba- ba- what do I have to lose? everyone, I won't have no babies. For real. <laughs> Which is kind of funny when you meet the fake witcher in, like, Witcher 3, there's a little sub-quest in, like, a village somewhere... And it's all like, oh, there's a witcher here, and he didn't even solve the problem, and he said he didn't want coin as payment, but he wanted my sister. Now she's pregnant, and Geralt's like, wait, that's illegal. That's impossible. Witchers are sterile, and they're like, ah, shit, he's fake. And it's like, he actually has a witcher medallion or whatever, and Geralt's like, you're a fucking phony, like, get out. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Going going back to our, uh, our playthrough, our playthroughs, um... I think that uh, the dandelion quest, like finding dandelion, was a huge, was a big um, portion as well. Um, how did you go about doing that? Because he's also heavily linked to Siri. So if you had a Geralt that was really 
um, obsessed with finding Siri at all costs yeah. sort of idea, then I imagine that would have been a really big quest line for you. Um, I'm trying I... to remember the name of the the name of like the scummy bandit guy who has just like all the girl like the woman corpses inside of his house when you enter. What the fuck? I did not remember this at all. You don't remember shit. this guy? <laughs> oh my god, no. I Oh god, I, I have to find out what his name is really quick. It's also been like three or four. If you grab his name, it's like, I need, I need like context bumps for a lot of Witcher 3 stuff sometimes. Because it's been like three, four years since I've played through some stuff. And also like, it took me like two years to play through all the game. In no small part because like I was really hesitant about finishing Blood and Wine, which is like the true end of Witcher 3. Mm. And it's mostly because it's like I didn't want to get the true like the end, you know? Like once once I finish Blood and Wine, there's no more Witcher. I've done it all. Ugh, I'm trying to find the name of this of this character and I don't know why I cannot figure it out. Um it's part of like the Siri quest line. Um I'm trying to Horson Jr. Horson Jr. That is exactly who it was. Yes, it was Horson Jr. Jr. Yeah, Horson yeah. okay. Jr. is the uh, is the guy that's like capturing <laughs> women and like murdering. Name. You walk into his place when you're trying to find him, and there's just dead women everywhere, like in his in a bathtub, yeah. like on a chair somewhere. Like they're all over the place, just naked women that are dead everywhere. And you roll in, and this guy is like. It, I cannot believe they give you the. They're like, yes, let's let this guy live. Like, I cannot believe that. And like, I don't think I did not know. Absolutely, I slaughtered that asshole. There's like no way. Like, I was like, this isn't even like a like a decision for me. Like, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and then like once knowing, you... yeah, knowing my style of playthrough, I think I met like a lot of those characters that I'd rather see dead, but they had like something I needed. So I had a very like chaotic approach of like basically using them until they exhausted everything I needed and then offing them at the first chance. Yeah, and that makes yeah, and I I do like that. Uh, I think it's like was it Dun Dun? Is that the name of the uh, the um the shapeshifter? Uh... There, yeah, there's a there's a shapeshifter, and he takes and he takes the form of Horson Junior later on, and you like find <laughs> yes. out you're like it's like Horson Junior's back. What I killed that guy, and you go find him. Yeah, and, yeah. Yes. And you find like... out that it's like the little the little midget guy that like transforms into everyone. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I the also, Doppler friend. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so you go around finding them, and then you, like, basically go back. It, like, like teeters you back. Like, the interesting thing this game does is it has you, like, revisit areas that you've uh, previously finished or have exhausted most of the quest lines there. Definitely. And it has you go back and discover new things. So, like, Uma, ugliest man alive is like the little like the little wretch that like follows the red oh, baron around yeah. like a, like a toy basically and uh like his jester or whatever and i and I, th this character is highly is highly tied into the dandelion quest line which i i love yeah. his because you're like track down every woman or whoever he's banged basically and like ask them like <laughs> where he's gone <laughs> and like one of them is yeah. just this like male elf in a dress like <laughs> 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 and it's just it's so funny 
And I, I just loved going like going through that whole line and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like like the Uma the Uma uh, section of the game was really interesting because you're just trying to figure out who is this, like why is this little like wretched creature thing like so important to the storyline? And then you start like find like you've tracked down the elf that was leading Siri around and everything. Yeah. Oh, um, what was his name? What was his name? Avalok. Avalok, yep. Yeah, you track down Avalok and uh, you like basically use. I, I think Avalok was Uma, I believe, is what it was. Yes, yeah, that, that was the whole like huge reveal. Yeah, is that when they tra they thought that it, Uma was Siri? Yeah, yeah, and that was what they were going like. If you do this, you're gonna you're gonna get Siri back, and you're like, awesome, this is dope. And then you find out that no, it's actually not <laughs> at all. Well, yeah, it's and I remember it being like a huge point of contention too, because it was like, oh man, because in order to like fix it you basically made him undergo the trial of the grasses which was like basically the witcher conversion yeah and it's like a big no-no even like and i find it very interesting that all the witchers are like we don't need to put anyone through this like I exactly don't and it, it, i mean it's it's probably like traumatizing for them because they were like fucking eight-year-old boys and getting like abandoned by their families or just like urchins that get picked up by some random mad alchemists and it's like here kids do drugs and they're like this is agony yeah they're like this is terrible but you'll be real strong afterwards <laughs> if you survive yeah, if which, you even you know, live yeah exactly it's like they did trials of the grasses in like batches of 10 and only like one or two kids would actually survive it yeah it, it reminds me a lot of like the uh like the gray wardens <laughs> in uh dragon age like that was in that yeah yeah that re it reminds me a lot of that which is which is great because I love I love things like that like little plot points like oh you must go through this trial and only those that survive it become like become part of our organization etc yeah. etc. Et I feel like the Witchers got the better deal though. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly no absolutely because like the Grey Wardens don't really get anything special they just kind of like you either die or you don't and you can find you uh, plot, yeah you either die or you get like linked up with the fucking dark spawn so you can sense them but also the arch demon can yeah. like give Infest you nightmares brain, and shit. Yeah. yeah exactly it's a better deal but very cool like narrative concepts in general though. For sure, still like the worst trade deal in this. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. Well, I can sense the things, and now I have horrible nightmares forever. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but I can sense dark spot. Yeah, I can fly Yay? them though. Oh my god! Oh, also, you become immune to like their taint or whatever. So that's yeah. also, I guess that's a that's useful. a big that's a big point as well. So we yeah. have like the Uma reveal, and we find Avalok. And then uh, we, I think afterwards he ends up telling you where Siri has gone. Yeah. And then you go to like the Isle in the Mists, something along those lines. Uh, yes, it's like a it's like a special place in like Skellige, I think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even like the Skellige, the Skellige stuff is also very interesting. Going to like slay the giants and having to Skellige uh, was like I had a ball in Skellige, dude. Yeah. No, Skellig is a really is a fun zone for sure. All it really is. The only yeah, the only thing I didn't like about it was the like four billion points of interest and like me being addicted to completionism. I tried to do like every single one. I probably dumped like maybe four or even five hours in Skellige just going to points of interest, and I didn't even get them all. Like, oh there's God. just too many. Yeah, there's that, exactly. There's just there's so much to do in, in Witcher. 
and The Witcher 3 in particular. Like, I skipped a lot of stuff because I'm kind of like, I wanted to get to, like, the meat and potatoes of the story, basically. And, um, but I did, like, my, a fair amount of side missions and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so in, in Skellige, I believe you're, you're attempting to help decide who is king. We'll get back to the, uh, Isle of the Mists after this, of course, but I, yeah. I believe in Skellige, you're trying to decide who the new king is going to be of Skellige, who's going to lead, and yes. you have, like, uh, a few families that are all fighting amongst each other. Yeah. And then it gets to the point where you're having, like, the big congregation with all of them, and then uh, bears attack. Basically, some people turn into bears and start slaughtering everyone inside of the inside of the, the, the keep. Yeah, the um, berserkers. Yes, exactly, yeah. Which I think is super cool, because it's like, uh, since we both play D&D, like, there's actually a static thing of berserkers in D&D who are... Yeah. Like ragey boys that turn into bears. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's like the the totem warrior. I think is what you're talking about, right? No, no, no. I mean, like a monster stat block. Oh, there's a monster stat block for bear turning berserk. I gotta look this up now. Damn. All right, that that'll yeah. be in one of my games. <laughs> that'll, <laughs> that'll be there somewhere. I also just yeah, like that's it. That's true. I also just like it because you have like you have like a. It's also like a like a Nordic like a Nordic mythology sort of. Uh, thing as well like mm -hmm. um, the Norse like they're berserkers anyway like Viking berserkers anyway if you want to if you I'm using like a, a with air quotes over Viking the Viking berserkers <laughs> yeah. usually wore like like bear heads and whatnot and things like that and would like use mm -hmm. psychoactive drugs to like boost their <laughs> like craziness and they would yeah. like the, there's reported accounts from them that they would take like many like a shit ton of arrows and just keep on fighting people <laughs> and like one of like the big like the one like one of the last like viking raids because a lot of the times what they do is they'd show up and they'd be like yo we won't raid your shit if you pay us and then a lot of kings were just like yeah fuck you and of all the fucking groups in the world the fucking french were the ones that beat them <laughs> <laughs> And it was, like, a battle on this bridge, and there was, like, one, like, berserker that was on the bridge, and he held it for, like, two minutes by himself. Just, like, hacking, <laughs> like, Frenchmen down, like, over and over again, and, like, getting stabbed, and he was still, like, standing during all that. And then I guess that was, like, when they were pushed out of France, or at least that nice. area, if I remember correctly. Um, historic, but anyway, going back in the story. But, yeah, it has ties to, like, like Nordic mythology, and I love shit like that. Yeah. So, you know. Um, Skellige is super cool. Oh, yeah. It's it's very much, like, I love all the accents <laughs> and all the characters that are there. Like, the kings are great. A lot of them are, like, your buddies as well. They're like, what up, Geralt? Yeah. <laughs> what up, G? Yeah. How's it going? Like, they, 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 they're oh, upset God. with each other, but everyone's chill with Geralt for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite fucking side quest comes out of Skellige, just because it's, like, just a fucking, like, funny spur-of-the-moment thing, where it's just, like, I'm not gonna be able to build all the proper context, but, like, it's still just funny, where it's, like, there's some, like, demon or whatever who's uh, haunting, like, one of the important characters in Skellige, or some important dude of, like, a village, and it's, like, one of the very few, like, Witcher contracts or whatever where you don't, like, actually fight something. It's, like, this incorporeal, like, almost, like, I'd say the term, like, true demon in air quotes. <clears throat> of, and it's basically, like, it's making this person miserable and they can't function and, like, they need this person to function. And so, basically, you have to trick the demon 
to getting the fuck out by like making him feel like the worst misery possible that like the demon like it just can't handle like oh my god i wish i could do that and then it fucks off where it's like you kidnap this dude's like infant child and he's like really pissed to try and get it back and then you get there and it's like all right when i give you the signal throw the baby in the oven Oh yeah! No, dude, yes. <laughs> you throw the baby oh, my in the god. Oven. oh my god! Oh my god! I remember this. Oh my god! Yeah, right. And it's like that game. It fools you. You're like, like Geralt just threw a fucking baby in the fucking oven right now. He like literally just did this. Like, <laughs> and the guy's like, "What did you do?" And the demon like you know, is like rushing for like rushes out to get into something that's not there, and then it can't like re-enter again. Yeah. And then, uh, oh no, God, I love that. No, I know, that is a great, no, that's a great fucking quest. I love that one. And that's like, there's... I love it too, because it's like the, the timed dialogue where it's all like, throw the baby in the oven or give him the baby. And I'm just like, yeet. Yeah, because, yeah, because she runs in and she's just like, here, take this, throw it in the oven. You're like, oh, you don't even like look at it if it's an actual baby or not. <laughs> I did that too. I definitely tossed the baby in the fucking oven. I trusted her. I was like, all right, I guess I'm trusting you right now. <laughs> oh my god, it's so good. Oh my god, that oh, quest yeah. was so fucking funny. Oh yeah, it, it's so it, it's it, oh my god, it's great though because it really does like your first time. If you have if you don't know how it ends, you're definitely like the the pressure is on right there. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, oh god, yeah, Skellige was pretty great. Oh, it's such a great part. Um, I think uh, I think uh, from here, I, you you help uh, you help Yennefer find the mask. I believe is another yes. is one of the big the big plot points is helping Yennefer find the mask. Uh, mask is not the mask of storms or <clears throat> um, it's some magical artifact. It's Sorceress's man, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's like she's very mysterious about it anyway. But when yeah. you see it, you're able to like track down, basically track down like Ciri's whereabouts and whatnot. And it requires yeah. you to go into a, a whole bunch of uh, just a whole bunch. There's so much stuff in this game where there's no way we'll cover all of it, of course. But yeah. I um, think um, this kind of the quest where you're helping Yennefer here is kind of like how you can lock in her romance option as well. Oh, understood. Yeah. So you have that moment. I think that I like I like toyed with Yennefer just because I wanted to do the iconic bang on the uh, the stuffed unicorn. Oh yeah. Just do the I just wanted to do that because that's one of like the funniest like bits of dialogue or or things in there. Yeah. But they said she sends you a message like I just, I still have the stuffed unicorn and just yeah. like I'm like right what the fuck the is start. that? <laughs> PS um, I still have the unicorn when you're in the like intro with Vesemir yeah. and he's like what does that mean? And, and, and like, Geralt's like it's personal. It's very personal. personal. Very personal. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, for our listeners uh, the backstory is basically that like him and Yennefer banged on a big stuffed unicorn and broke it. I guess is like the, is I guess is the uh, is the 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 background on that, which I just thought was very funny. So I decided to uh, take that route with this one instead. But I yeah. would not be picking Jennifer later, of course. But uh, so after this point, um, I believe at, at this point you you help her, and then you're able to after that point, I think you change Uma back afterwards, and then you go think- to the Isle of the Mists. I believe is kind of how the events play out. I think so. I'm still kind of shaky on the timeline and all that. Like, 
Yeah, it, it, it's 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 really massive. So there's there's a lot to, to go on. It's very much one of those games you just kind of lock yeah. in and immerse yourself. And um... it's basic because it's like there's a really short, like overarching, important, like main story. I'd say, but then there's like a bunch of branches that kind of feed into it. Like if you took out all the extra side stuff that you either had to do or was optional for like affecting the main story, it is actually like significantly shorter than how quick those beats come up but it's just like part of it's kind of uh like uh, roadblocked by some of these like side branches that you have to do and then there's the ones that are optional that it just adds like extra time to it because it's like literally like you hunt down siri in three different locations you uh get like avalok back with the whole uma thing and then you find Siri, you go to Kaer Morin, and then Whoa, you have like, the huge well, battle. Tag, tag. But we're forgetting about one of the best parts of finding Siri is the seven dwarves. Where they totally oh do like a, they, they, they totally do a <laughs> Snow White and the Seven Dwarves like bit at that at that point of the game, and you help like save all the dwarves, and they're all useless. <laughs> I don't know if this was different, but they all die in like dumb ways. Like they like you yeah. jump <laughs> Like one of them is the sleepy one, and he like has narcolepsy. He even says he's like, "I've got narcolepsy," and he like falls asleep when he's like walking. <laughs> like some drowner comes and fucking nabs him. Yeah, it's just it was just like a bunch of like like silly things like to get up to her. You just help these seven dwarves, and then you find her. Oh my gosh, and oh she's like doing I can't okay. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, from there on, um, uh, let's see. From there on, you basically you rescue her and get and get the band back together again, and then yeah. you do like a whole like victory lap around trying to assemble because you plan on fighting the wild hunt, which is like one of the big yeah. parts we've missed are the elves, like basically the dark elves that are. Uh, Seeking out, um, seeking Siri because she is, uh, what, half elf, I believe? Uh, so she has, like, uh, the, like, like, the high blood in her or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. basically, like, the closest Witcher is gonna get to, like, true sorcery and, like, true magic, basically. Of course. <clears throat> because there's, like, there's, there are sorceresses in the game and, like, you know, but they're they're more like wizards as opposed to you know like a sorcerer thinking in D and D terms. Whereas right. like Siri is literally like her blood is magic, and so that's that that's, that's one the of thing. the the big deals for them and why they're seeking her in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Um. Also, also in this game, you do get to play as Siri like a bunch of times as well. Yeah. It's a, There's occasional like with the Red Baron whenever he's telling a story of her. It's you're actually just playing as Siri and going through it. Yeah. Exactly. And it's usually as a narrative set piece a lot of the times. Yeah. So I mean, as far as you ever getting to like just play as her exclusively, <laughs> that doesn't happen. But you do get to see things from her perspective and make some decisions with her. Yeah, which I did think was a, a really nice change of pace in the game at times. Yeah, so it was always kind of interesting. I actually like uh, just parallels like the whole playing through a flashback rather than having a character like exposit at you for five minutes was actually something I ended up doing in like my D and D campaign. My first campaign is like I had a really big narrative dump that 
was going to happen. I was like, hey, guys, do you want me to just talk at you for the next half hour? Or do you want me to, like, put a one shot together and, like, you'll actually play as the flashback? That's actually a great a great idea for a game as well. Like, how engaging, honestly. Yeah. To, like, instead and of they really like, it. oh, it these little... people did the thing here and did the stuff there, but... Um, yeah. Like, yeah, and, and which is just more boring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fun. Uh, pencil that down for if you have, like, a flashback or a big narrative dump of someone expositing. Yeah, no, I, I, I like that a lot, actually. I will probably put that down somewhere. Um, let's see. So, uh, let's see from this point onward. So we've rescued Siri. We do the victory lap. You basically go back. And this is one of those parts of the game that I really liked was that you have to go back and talk to everyone basically that you've ever dealt with in the main storyline and your Mm -hmm. decisions that you made with those people determine if they even want to help you or not. Yes. And that is one of those, one of the things that where the game really does come full circle and really brings, um, like, your decisions matter. Like, really did yeah. matter all that time. And even while you were doing them, it could seem like they this isn't really going to play into the end of things. If you haven't yeah. played the game before, of course. I think either my Geralt was either a super cool guy or was very convincing. Because when I checked through, like, my achievements, I did get the one where you basically recruit, like, every possible person to come help against the Wild Hunt. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed um, that part of the game as well, was just, like, <laughs> setting up that, that big climactic encounter with them. Yeah. And I, I, I... I enjoy those bits a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's, like, a big, like... It's a very big RPG trope, and at this point in the game, you yeah. think, this is the end. Mm-hmm. Right? That's totally how I felt as well. It's like, this is the end of the game. Damn, I'm at the end of Witcher right now. Let's fucking go. All right. And then you yeah. fucking finish it, and it's not over. You're nope. not done yet. You have more to do afterwards. That was just like the like the pre-climax to the true climax. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, I'm trying to remember. Uh, I believe, uh, to my to my memory anyway, I think that the uh, what is it? The ending, or at least afterwards, you end up uh, going with Avalok, and he ends up taking you to. Um, basically like the other elves or like his people and you tell yes. them about the wild hunt and I, and, uh, also about their plan. <clears throat> um, and then let's see the, uh, they're trying to open a portal to somewhere. Like this is like the very end of the game where everything is where, yeah. where like Siri goes through the portal and tries to like survive on the other side. Yeah, that was, oh my God, that, that fucked me up. Like, because I tried really hard to ensure that Siri would survive, because otherwise it would have felt like all the shit I went through in that game would have been for nothing if she had died. Yeah. So, like, when I when she went into the portal and kind of, like, the whole... That flashback reel that plays, where it's, like, all the times she remembers, like, Geralt to kind of, like, draw strength. She's like, Dad, please help. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, seeing that kind of role, I was actually holding my breath, waiting for her to come back through the portal. And, like, when that cutscene, kind of, like, when the flashback reel stopped, and then it's just Geralt there with whoever was with him, and I'm sitting there waiting for the portal to come back, I was like, oh, no, no, I fucked up, she's dead, oh, no. Yeah, no, my my uh, my Siri did not survive the ice. 
Oh, shit. It was like, because Geralt gets thrown into, like, father figure role. Like, once you find her again, he starts acting like, he starts acting like a dad to her, basically. Yeah. And it's uh, it's very endearing, honestly. It's a very, like, interesting, like, bit of character development. Like, I love that in a lot of RPGs with decisions like this, your main character doesn't really change all that much. You know, yeah. as a person, you just kind of are there to make dialogue options. But in The Witcher, like, it's, like, the, this change is very obvious. Like, your decisions become more so, like, do you choose to be, like, the, like, the careful father figure, or are you just going to let her do whatever she wants sort of idea? Yeah. And it, it becomes, like, that that dichotomy. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, so my, my Siri did not survive the uh, the ice, and that was, like, the oh. most depressing. It was really depressing. Like, everything Darkest was sad. Every, I honestly did, man. Like, my, my ending of that game was Geralt in a, like, tracking down the witch and fighting them, like, the crones. Mm-hmm. And then finding, yeah. like, finding the medallion and then just sitting in the house all depressed while all the ghouls, like, all descend on you. Yeah. And that was how my game ended. And it was very, like, I was very much, like... Wow, I like well, this wow. could have been better. And like, I'm I, at first, I wanted to say, "Wow, what a shitty ending to a game." And then at the same time, I was like, "Nope, that's my fault." The reason why it's all like that is because I didn't pay attention to my decisions and I made Damn. bad choices, and so therefore, I get darkest timeline. I think we actually have like opposite things. It's yeah. like you had literally the almost the darkest timeline possible, and then I think I got like the best one, where. Yeah, what what there happens? Was, there's a couple of like unnecessary deaths, but uh, for the most part, everyone who could be saved was more or less saved, with a few exceptions that are. I'm just forgetting, but I know like there's no way, knowing how I play that game, that I managed to save everyone. But they probably weren't that important. Basically, everyone in Geralt's circle is still alive, but yeah. beyond that, uh, no holds barred. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And then it kind of depends. So when you get, like, the series survives, there's kind of, like, two routes where, depending on, like, your conversations with Siri, um, she'll kind of decide, like, if she wants to be the, like, if she becomes the heir of Novigrad, or if she says fuck that and becomes a witcher. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think my Siri ended up going the air route because I like I missed a few bits for which I forget like wow so honestly so, like so it, like like so like the plot expands even more after that as well so like there's even like now there's like two decisions that with your deci- like with your choices in the game there's more things yeah. that these NPCs can do <clears throat> or like routes that they take so I, I find that very interesting yeah. that Siri has two options that she goes with if she survives going through yeah. the portal of course it's it's very it's very sweet because you get this kind of like epilogue scene in um, the White Orchard with uh, Triss and Yen and Siri and like your friends and Geralt's there and basically like you do a sort of like little adventure with yeah, it's it honestly it's like you do it you do a little adventure with your daughter she's all grown up now and she's about to like make her own in the world and she's like safe from you know the wild hunt and doesn't really have anything else to like truly like looming to or worry about other than just like oh boy the uncertainties of life is it's very bittersweet like it kind of 
choke up a little bit about it, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, you put, you put so much investment in finding her. Yeah. So much investment in trying to figure out where she's gone, what's going on, and then, like, at the very end, like, all of her choices matter a lot to you because you've spent so long developing this, like, th- this attachment to this person. And it's just, yeah. like, it's just absolutely fantastic. I mean, I'm sure there's, like, a billion reviews that'll say the same sort of thing. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it really is, though. It, re- it really is that, like, that fantastical and that detailed. And, uh, like, they really, like, like CD Projekt Red definitely, like, knocked it out of the park with this one. For real. Really, though. It's, like, it's, as far as I'm concerned, Witcher 3 is, like, their magnum opus. Yeah, absolutely. No, no joke. Um... As far as like other RPGs that I like, I really enjoyed like like the Divinity series and stuff like that, and classic RPGs, Dragon mm-hmm. Age and shit like that as well. I even liked the oh, Mass yeah. Effect series too, but it was like I don't think oh, any one? of them the Mass Effect series. Oh okay, I haven't three. really These played are all, those. It, 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 not not a, not a, not really that important, but I mean those yeah. were all like decision based games, sort of ideal that at least like tried to give you the illusion of choice mattering. Um, True. And I love Divinity. It's like one of my favorites. And uh, so is uh, like Mass Effect and Dragon Age and stuff. But all of those RPGs, like in the end, you're, you're still kind of going through like there's more decisions in Divinity. But in like Dragon Age and like the Mass Effect, a lot of your decisions don't really come full circle like they do in The Witcher. There yeah, definitely wasn't... like I feel like Dragon Age and Mass Effect, it's basically like the same sort of style of game. It's just one's you know fantasy and then one sci-fi but otherwise it's like you really aren't making like huge decisions the choices are more inclined at like who's your romance option and who do you want on your side and like picking basically who you're fighting yeah exactly and it it it, yeah essentially it boils down to that whereas like the witcher just really excels in the narrative aspect and the decision making process and it just really excels there, as well as the combat is also very fun. I well. yeah, I really enjoy the combat of it because there's a lot of like artificial difficulty in video games, and replaying it in my Death March run, like just starting out, I kind of feel an artificial difficulty, but also like I know that's partly because I just don't have the tools to fight everything I'm up against, like. I don't have access to all the potions right now. I don't have access to all the bombs right now. I don't have access to all the oils right now. And those are like, those are the really big things of like, once you get the right oil and like a couple of decent potions, like the levels in that game are just an indication. Like you can be level seven and provided like you don't take more than one hit from something you could fight something that's like level 32 and come out on top oh man it will be like a very grueling and arduous battle but like it is very much possible and it's not like an artificial difficulty thing it's just like it's the style of the game too yeah i mean i mean i remember running into a lot of enemies that were like 10 15 20 levels above Mm -hmm. me and just being like, nope, 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 not dealing with yeah. that at all. But I know that I know that how the game is designed and how combat plays out, that if you're just really good at dodging and you're very good at like keeping yourself from getting hit by that thing, you'll eventually mm-hmm. kill it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's and that's definitely one of those things that's not an artificial difficulty like you're discussing. It's like actually yeah. a difficult thing, and I would imagine the rewards for doing so are like pretty up there. Uh, I mean, it's still like the rewards are still going to be the same mm-hmm. depending on what it is. It's just like you'd feel kind of cool when you beat. Yeah, stuff exactly. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Because you, yeah, it's it's a one of those moments where like hell yeah, I took down something that was like you know twenty levels above me or whatever. Yeah, because um. I think the game intends Geralt to be somewhere around level 30 by the time you finish it, because um, the first DLC, Hearts of Stone, like stuff is statted around 30, 33, that range-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and when you're adventuring out in the land, once it opens up, like you can actually go and do some of the points of interest that got added with Hearts of Stone. Right, and that's like that was a real awkward discovery when I hit that the first time because I was like level fourteen and I came across a bandit camp and it was like a bunch of deserter knights and they're all like level thirty two and I was like oh shit why are these guys so huge and then like a crossbow hit me and I died. <laughs> <laughs> I was like oh not going back there. Well, I I'm glad that you bring up the DLCs because that's what we're moving on to now. Oh yes. So I I have played none of the DLCs whatsoever. So if you could give like a pretty like brief description of both of them and kind of what the storylines right. entail, perhaps some of your favorite moments from both, that would be very good. Yeah, they're super fucking good. And honestly, like despite Blood and Wine basically being a second video game, um I think I liked Hearts of Stone a little bit more just because, like, one, there wasn't the looming dread of, like, oh, God, once I finish this, this is the end. Like, there's no more. Mm-hmm. Um, this, but it's still, like, it's neck and neck. Like, they, we're talking, like, less than, like, very tiny decimal values if there's a numeric value of enjoyment between the two. Right. Because they're all super good. So, Hearts of Stone... Um, is basically there's actually um you're you're reliving basically like an entire uh fairy tale of like the polish fairy tale i think where it's basically like someone makes a deal with the devil and uh for like immortality or whatever or you can only kill me under a full moon or whatever and then he just like never goes they are you can only kill me on the moon and uh <laughs> the devil tricks the dude who made the deal by sending him to a tavern at some point called like the full moon and the dude didn't realize and that was like all right you're on the moon now you die and that's um i think the inspiration for it so hearts of stone there's a guy and uh his name's i think oligard mm-hmm. and he's He's great. I fucking love him. He's such a cool character. Like if you if you have a chance, like go and either play it or look up like his sort of like introduction in Hearts of Stone. Mm-hmm. Um so you're um do you remember Gaunter Odin? I do not. Uh so he comes to you at some point in the main game. And he gives you, like, some advice. Um, like, he shows up as early as White Orchard. Like, he's in the tavern, and when you ask him about Yennefer, like, he kind of knows about her. And so, like, he gets introduced, like, in the first five minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. 
but he comes back at some point in the main story and like you talk to him and he's like yeah I'll help you out but like you're gonna owe me one at some point and Geralt's like alright uh, but Hearts of Stone is basically him coming back to you and be like hey you owe me and I'm collecting now <laughs> so okay. Gontaro Dim is a straight up demon spoilers yeah uh, and he's granted Oligard, like, immortality, uh, because, like, his lover or his wife has died or whatever, and he's sad about it. It's, the details are a little hazy, but basically it's, like, you're helping Gaunter get rid of his immortality, because he's ready to collect on his, like, debt or whatever, but he can't collect on him because he's dead. And his immortality, or he's, or... Until he's dead, but his immortality won't go away until Gaunter grants him three wishes. And the three wishes that Oligard gives are basically impossible. Ah. So there's like a little bit of finagling here and there, and you go back and forth between Gaunter and Oligard, between all these like different errands. And um, probably like one of the really cool ones was um, he wants like the last flower that his lover or his wife gave him. And since it's, like, wilted and dead, that's impossible. So Gaunter whips up the solution of, like, all right, so I got this magical shit, and you can go into this painting that she made, and it's basically, like, another world back in time, and you can go and get the flower from there, and you fight, like... Wow. There's some some really cool, like, segments in there. There's, like, a... There's, like, a nightmare segment where you basically, like, go into... Uh, Oligard's head and fight his nightmares and it's like literally just specters of him like at his worst and you're like in this room fighting them after finding like the corpse of his wife oh wow that reminds me of um of another game uh going 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 like really back uh did you are you familiar with a game called Psychonauts um I've heard the name before all right, so it's it was an old game by Double Fine and uh, uh, Shea, Schaefer. Schaefer, I think, was the name of the uh, last name of the uh, creator of this one. But it was basically like a summer camp for like young psychics. So you're all kids, and you basically okay. go around um, helping people with their problems by busting out a door and you like throw it on their head and then go into their head. And everyone's <laughs> head is different, and it's like a puzzle. You have to help them deal with their problems. And okay. it's, it, it's it's really cool. It's a very, very fun game. Um, I would recommend checking it out if you ever get a chance. But, um, but yeah, that's what it reminds me of, though. Like, going into someone's head to help them deal with their nightmares. Like, there's, I mean, there's there's a few of them in that game that I, I won't go over here, of course. But, yeah, no, I, I really like that, though. That, that I like things that are, are um, displayed in other games as well, like that. So, yeah, oh, I love that. That sounds great. Okay. Also, I kind of, like, looked it up, and I guess I missed, like, the sort of intro bit of it, of um, how, like, how you basically get in debt to Gaunter, but it's basically, like, you find, uh, you find Olgaird's, like, dudes, and they're, like, it, it gets masked as a Witcher contract, where you have to kill, like, a toad monster in the sewers. Mm-hmm. But it's actually like this cursed, um, this cursed like a fairy prince, right? And after you kill it, you find that out, and then it's like, like as you're dealing the killing blow, basically like the rescue party comes in with the solution to the curse, and they're like, "Oh my god, you killed him!" So they like <laughs> shackle him up and bring him to execution. 
Oh, wow. And Odin's like, hey, man, I can get you out of this, but you owe me one. And so Geralt's like, uh, I'd prefer to not be dead. Yeah, exactly. So he just doesn't, and then the guy comes yeah. back to then he comes back to col- collect the dead again, and then you're into this this yeah. whole big storyline. Yeah. It sounds like also um, like the, you got set up, so you have like some motive to get back. Yeah, at him exactly. And... No, you have to do some like uh, like some some uh, what is it like back alley means to getting around this nonsense. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you have like these three wishes that have to be granted. Uh, by Odim in order for him to collect Olgaard's debt. And um, they're all, like, the impossible ones. Like, the wife's last flower. Um, You have to uh, let his brother possess Geralt for a night in order to, like, attend a party and have, like, one last wedding party. And that's pretty funny. Wow. (laughs) because it's like it's Geralt being like all right let's set some ground rules like let's not like get into some stupid shit here and then the dude after possessing him for the night immediately proceeding to try and to get into as much stupid shit as possible (laughs) is that that like heart of stone hearts of stone yeah Yeah. um and then I forget what the last wish was but basically after the last one um you kind of see, like, Odim's true nature and, like, the fate that Olgird gets is pretty shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I ended up doing because I wanted to see both veins is um, you can either say, get bent, Olgird, and let Gaunter collect on his wish or collect on his debt and it's, like, this horrible, like, soul siphoning death of agony and misery and I'm like oh my god that's fucked up and then Gaunter immediately like like nothing happened just goes to Carol and be like hey thanks man like do you want anything and I immediately was like I don't want anything from you because I don't want this to be viewed as like an invitation of like oh hey now you have like you've granted me a wish and can collect on a debt from me so I just said I don't want anything from you I'm getting the fuck out of here um but there's also a different line because like um Olgier's actually a pretty lovable character like he sets you up and he kind of fucks you initially but then like he I feel like he kind of like redeems himself and at least to the point like I wouldn't want the fate they gets from Odin to like it's too much you know uh so I actually reloaded and you can actually side with Olgird to try and fight Odin and there's like this really hectic like time section where you go like into the mirror world where he's in control and you have like a certain amount of time to find a mirror in his world in order to like get him because i don't know he's a demon master mirror it's confusing um but you can like you you're running around and basically the solution is like you have to make like a little water fountain because every time you find a mirror he just shatters it and Geralt's like hey that's cheating and he's just like get bent idiot <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Hearts of Stone is super cool. Nice. So what like, was the... Uh, well, the other one was Blood and Wine, right? Blood and Wine is massive. It is... 
it's DLC, but Blood and Wine is essentially a second game. Wow. Like it's it's Witcher three point two. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> um, that being said, it's still like kind of contained in itself to like easy explanation. I've done this more recently, so I remember like more of the story beats a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, while you're out adventuring in the land, you come across these two uh, like knights from the Duchy of Toussaint. Mm-hmm. Uh, is like. It's it, it's Witcher Three. Welcome to France. Right. Okay. Essentially. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, because they all have like these sort of like French accents, and it's it never gets old. It's funny the whole time. Um, so basically, there's uh this beast of Beauclair, as he's called. Of there's a higher vampire who's uh killing a bunch of knights. And so uh, the Duchess is like, hey, send for a witcher, and we hear Geralt's the best. So these knights get you, and they're like, hey, like Our Lady would like you to come help. And um, despite having like a very ridiculous amount of money at the time, like it never gets old. Like having, because Geralt's not used to having money, and so like even if you have like twenty thousand gold, it's like Geralt is always acting as if he's, like, living impoverished. Uh, and they're like, hey, like, if you do this contract for us, the Duchess will give you no less than 5,000 crowns. And he's like, alright, sign me up. <laughs> um, so you go with them to Tucson after a little, like, story beat that uh, was kind of funny. Like, some some dudes like start talking shit about the Duchess and Geralt's like you shouldn't have done did that because their thing is like chivalry. They're huge on it, and there's like these five like cardinal virtues that they hold for every night that's like super important to them. Oh wow. And so yeah, it's very much like when someone who's not familiar with like fantasy thinks of the fantasy night and like chivalry. It's basically that stereotype. That's like the Knights of Toussaint. Yeah, exactly. They they just they fit into like the chivalrous knight, like yeah. archetype, basically. Super white knight, and then it's like, hey, your Duchess is a whore, and then these two knights are like, come again. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say about our lord? <laughs> yeah. What did you say about her lady? And then Geralt's just like, you shouldn't have done did that. <laughs> So you go, you go with them to Tucson, and it's fucking beautiful. Like you, you played through Witcher Three, so you know that it's okay. like kind of gritty and dark. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, even and, then, like, but there's really beautiful areas in it. Oh yeah, definitely. Sure. But like Tucson is just like it's super colorful and pretty. Like the whole dark fantasy vibe just gets left at the door. Wow. Like, it's so fucking pretty in Tucson. It's aggressively gorgeous and well-rendered, like, because Tucson's basically, like, this volcanic valley or whatever, where I guess the volcano's, like, inactive, but there's all the, like, ash and shit, and so, like, I guess it's good fertile. I don't, I don't fucking know, like, agriculture and stuff, but... You know, the thing, the volcanic ash makes it really rich soil, so there's a lot of pretty flowers, and yeah, it's a really no, pretty I, landscape. Yeah. No, I got you. 
there's there's spots in there where you can go like to a hilltop and just see for like miles and it's so bright and pretty and i love it it's awesome um but you go through that and you meet with the duchess a couple of times and um basically like you eventually figure out that the beast of Beauclair is a vampire like a high vampire Mm-hmm. And so Geralt's kind of like little like shifty on. He's like, "Why do they give a fuck? Like this is like these are random knights who are like um they die in an ironic way too. Like um they're made to basically be the opposite of like one of the virtues or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like it." It, this isn't exactly what it is, but uh, for the sake of the example, and someone will probably be able to like tell what it actually is. Like one of them might be like chastity or whatever, and so then like one of the knights gets found like dead, by, surrounded by a bunch of like whores in a hen house. <laughs> okay. So it's basically it's basically like defacing the five cardinal virtues of Toussaint, which I do not remember from the life of me. Oh, yeah. No, I, uh, I, I feel you there. But, I mean, they sort of, like, I guess they sort of, um, I, I guess the term is they would subvert your expectations of them. So basically, they all, yeah. So it's they like, all, yeah, so they all die in, like, in, like, ways that are opposite to what their code is. Yeah, basically. They have, yeah, they have the their knight's code and, like, their vows, and it's there's the five virtues that they hold up as, like, the highest standard other than, like, the duchess's word, and then each one dies in a way that's contrary to that. So it's, like, you, you sort of see, like, alright, there's some sort of weird conspiracy here. It's not just, like, a thing, but this also seems like something that a higher vampire just would not give a fuck about. Right. <laughs> Like, this is so far beneath any of them. And so you get approached by another one. Uh, I believe his name is Detlaf. And there's some history with him and Geralt. It might go in... It might be something from the books that I'm just not familiar with, because I haven't read the books yet. It's on my to-do list at some point. Um, But he's like, hey, so I kind of know this guy who's causing all this shit, and I know he's, like, he's a little bit feral, but, like, he's not a bad guy. Like, you gotta help me try and, like, figure this out. And so uh, you kind of go about, like, figuring some stuff out. Some shit happens. Uh, You get to, like, play a bunch of, like, games in a tournament, and that's pretty fun. Uh, because, like, the reason this is so urgent is because there's this big, like, grand tournament of all the knights, and, like, it's a big deal in Toussaint, and then there's these knights that are just getting nixed left and right, and it's like, alright, well, clearly it's not someone just trying to get, like, the edge in the tournament. Right. Because these deaths are too, like, brutal and contrary. Um, but you can participate in a tournament and you can like win the events and prizes and you get like some cool stuff for it. Oh. Um, you like once you start making some headway into the quests, you get um, you are rewarded with like an orchard that you can make yours and you can it's basically just a gold sink for like uh, vanity and a little bit of utility. Okay, 
So there's some uh, like, so there's some like so there's some utility advantages to doing these quests and whatnot, and then there's some uh, like basically like shiny things you get that look pretty. It's yeah, it's player housing and like um you get like when you upgrade some stuff enough, like uh you can get like a a workbench and a grindstone so you can just upgrade your armor and weapon like before you head out the door. Right. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. How does this? Uh, how um, does this deal? Well, did you have you finished this DLC yet? Yes. Okay. So, um, just kind of like getting back into it as you progress through uh, Blood and Wine. There's like there's a bunch of stuff to do. It literally is like it's Witcher three point two. There's so much to do. Yeah, it's really expansive. So, what was like the meat and potatoes sort of deal at the uh, end of this? So basically, the person who's orchestrating all of these murders is actually the long lost sister of the Duchess. Mm-hmm. And so she was born under the Black Sun, if you like remember that like story beat. Uh, not, not, sure. not not really. I'm not really sure about that story beat. Um, it's one. it's something from the books that's like it it comes up here and there in Witcher Three, but um, basically there was like 300 women born under this like cursed sun, and they're all like at some point they just go like basically like rabid, and they're like murderous and evil innately or something and like no basically whenever someone figures out it's like oh hey this is a lady born under the black sun like if they weren't abducted by some like court wizard or whatever to be experimented on or just killed outright they are banished like um and so because of this uh the sister basically gets banished and left for dead and so she's super resentful to her sister who's now in charge for basically forgetting about her right and so she wanted to like basically deface all the five virtues of uh Toussaint because she's like these are bullshit like the part I basically was like you know uh abused, abandoned, and left to die by these knights who are supposed to be oh-so-chivalrous, but they, you know, basically fucked a child and left her to die. Jesus. Um, so she sets up uh, the high vampire to... Mur- like, she gets close to him and, like, be- pretends to be his lover for a bit. And then stages her own kidnapping and sends, like, a fake, like, ultimatum of, like, hey, you have to kill these people this way or else your lover is going to be killed. But meanwhile, it's her the entire time pulling the strings and, like, manipulating him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That sounds really, uh, uh, that sounds really in-depth, especially for a DLC it's. I told you. It's. It is a second video game. Like. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. No. Exactly. And I. I think that's. Uh. That. That's really interesting because a lot of the times DLC is not as expansive as that. It's. Oh yeah. Like. Just, like Hearts of Stone quest. is a quest chain. Yeah. Exactly. So. So Hearts of Stone is shorter. You would say yeah. than than um Blood and Wine is. So Blood and Wine has like a lot more content in it. Yeah. That's that's fantastic, while, though. Yeah. While still having like a fair bit of like 
play time added with Hearts of Stone. It really boils down to like three or four quest chains. Mm-hmm. Whereas like Blood and Wine is basically like an expansion. It's like it's like an MMO expansion. It's right. a bas- it's a new game. Wow. Um well, I say. Wait, wait, wait. Are we at the ending of Blood and Wine yet? No, we're not, are we? No, no, we're not. All right, all right. Let's we're, get. We're let's... getting pretty close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, continue. Yeah. So there's, uh, there's a couple of like choices that you can make to kind of uh, alter how things go, and it's kind of funny. Like, I actually ended up with like the darkest Blood and Wine timeline. <laughs> <laughs> if I had chosen one different dialogue choice, I would have actually had the best timeline. But I chose something else because I was like kind of harsh towards the sister. Um, because, so, eventually, like, she does get caught, and you find out that she's, like, the one orchestrating all of this. Uh, your high vampire friend is trying to keep the other vampire, like, in check and from doing anything stupid, or, like, brash, because he's very, like, he's very, uh, emotionally driven, like, he's not, he tries to be rational, but he's, he gets kind of like feral when it comes to like his love interest or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he finds out that she's been manipulating the whole time and he kind of takes exception to that. Um, so there's like this special like illusory prison, which this is honestly like the whole, the highlight of blood of wine. In my opinion, this was the funniest fucking shit ever. All right. Um, where so when they were little, the two sisters, the Duchess and her sister, were little. There was like a court mage, and he was like an illusion wizard, and he made this special like fairy tale book. And when you spoke like the command word to it, it would bring you into like uh, this fairy tale world where all of these creatures would basically reenact like your typical uh, like nursery rhyme fairy tales, like. There was the boy who cried wolf. There was Little Red Riding Hood. There was Rapunzel. Okay. Um, and, but it's like uh, because it's been so long, like, and because Geralt technically isn't supposed to be there, um, like the illusions are kind of like degrading. So uh, you go there, and there's. Um, you start out with like a Hansel and Gretel sort of thing where you find a witch and she like has a kid in an oven and she's going to cook him up and then she wants to put you in there too. (laughs) (laughs) So you fight her and it's pretty funny because like even her, uh, her broom like will start smacking you to try and like knock you down. (laughs) Uh, so you like, you fight dark Hansel and Gretel, you fight the witch and kill her. And then, um, you meet up with the chick who's like orchestrating it and um i can't remember her name so i'm just gonna keep referring to her as like the duchess's sister uh and so you take you take hansel out of the oven she's like all right tell me uh tell me where the magic beans are because uh what is it the beanstalk fairy tale (laughs) oh jack and the beanstalk Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. Basically, in order to get out of this fairy tale world, you have to collect three magic beans and plant them, and then you climb the beanstalk up to the giant's lair, and in there's the exit to get out of the fairy tale land. Oh wow! 
And so after you do that, the Hansel and Gretel thing, you adventure a little bit and you meet the boy who cried wolf who's like standing on a stump and there's a bunch of like wolves that are around him. You kill the wolves and his thing is like he only speaks in lies. So basically they ask him like where all three of the beans wouldn't be. It's like and he's like, oh, for one of them, it's uh, Rapunzel. And it's like one of them definitely would be very far underground like super deep and that sort of line of thing um there's also a um a secondary thing like this is an optional route it's not required to get out of it but you need it in order to have like the brightest timeline mm-hmm. um there's a wristband that uh the sister got given by the um by the court wizard mm-hmm. and it's like it's it seems like a completely mundane item where it's like something you tell a kid is like, hey, wear this bracelet and it will protect you. And it actually is like very important for something that's going to come up in a second here. But you basically relive all these fairy tales like you, um, what should we call it? Um, you can either bribe this vendor girl. I forget what fairy tale she's supposed to represent because I don't know it. But she's basically like, hey, uh, I have this wristband. You can either try and bribe her for like 5,000 gold or you can play Gwent for it. And I was like, oh, shit, here we go. And that was like the one time I like actually played Gwent. And surprisingly <laughs> enough, I won. It was hard, but I won on my first try. And I <laughs> nice. feel good about that. Yeah. I feel really good about Maybe that. Maybe you understood Gwent more than you thought. Uh, Not really. Oh, no. <laughs> I... I somehow cobbled together like this ridiculous monster deck where their mechanic was like reinforced where whenever you'd play this type of monster, like if you played a vampire, it would search your entire deck for vampires and then all of them would just drop onto the field. So I'd play one card and then I'd have like 25 power. (laughs) (laughs) And then you're just wrecking face that way. So I, ju- I just kind of, like, rolled my face on the keyboard and somehow won. Okay, awesome. Um, so you get the bracelet and give it to her because she's like, hey, like, I know I had a fucked up childhood, but this is, like, you know, my one memento, so fuck you, I want it. Uh, so you get that, and that's an optional thing. And then you relive the different fairy tales, like you do uh, Little Red Riding Hood, where... Uh, because the illusion has like broken down, the wolf is like he's so tired of having been killed by the hunter all these times. He like he breaks character and he fucking like murders the hunter and <laughs> Red and throws him down a well. And he's like, I don't have to do shit for you. I just have to reenact the fairy tale. So if you want to do that, like let me know. Otherwise, piss off. <laughs> because he ate one of the beans that you need. So. You reenact the fairy tale with the sister as Red and you as the Huntsman, and you know you go and axe him after a little bit of a fight and dig through his guts and get the bean. Um, you climb the tower for um, Rapunzel, and it turns out like she got tired of waiting for like Prince Charming or whatever because oh, also the sister she like. She did this off screen, but she basically like 
fucked over Prince Charming and like stole his sword and I guess killed him. It's kind of, it's kind of like just implied. You don't see it happening. It's just like, where did you find that sword? It's like, ah, Prince Charming. <laughs> just just found it on him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they kind of help you get around this like fairy tale land too. After you um after you save the boy who cried wolf from the pack of wolves, you find a couple of unicorns. And start riding them around. She's like, I call the pink one. You get the white one. She's like, it reminds me of being a kid. And Geralt's like, this reminds me of something completely different. (laughs) 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 Uh, So you do that. You do the, like, fairy tales. Reenact, like, reenact, like, the dark, like, fucked up versions of the fairy tales. Because... You know, it's Witcher, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just going to be dark. I mean, all of these are uh, are Germanic fairy tales. If you didn't know, um, yes, from like the Brothers Grimm and things like that. Yes, so that's uh, that's very interesting. So after you're done with the fairy tale reenactments, essentially, or the dark versions of them, what happens afterwards? Um, after that, you do like the beanstalk, and you climb up to the giant slayer, and you fight the giant. Um, and then, like, throughout this whole time, like, uh, the sister is, like, kind of hitting on Geralt, and it becomes apparent later, like, she's literally just trying to sleep with him so that she can, like, maybe use him later, but Geralt's like, haha, I'll fuck you, and then not simp for you, get fucked. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but you, um, you grab her and escape from this zone after like probably one of the weirdest and most surreal like sex scenes I've ever seen detailed in like any medium at all like I don't know how to explain it it's just weird you have to see it yeah just okay take the word for it play blood and wine yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> so you do that and you get out and basically the idea is um the secret's out that um whatchamacallit, the Beast of Beauclair, he's been used by the sister, and he's super pissed about it. Um, there's a little bit of a segment before that where, uh, because in this fairy tale land, like, this is just the prison cell that she's being kept in, because if they're, if she's kept in an actual jail, like, the people would literally riot and, like, break in and probably kill her, but also if she's, like, let off scot-free for just being, like, the sister to the Duchess, like, it would be also like super disgraceful and that's kind of like the point of contention for the duchess she doesn't know what to do so after this very uh like magical jailbreak you um you rendezvous with detlaf and the beast of beauclair and um kind of meet up with him it's like hey we have oh shit I forgot about another really important thing. Basically, once he finds out, he's like, hey, like, come to this place within three days and explain to me what the fuck this was all about, or else all hell is going to break loose. And because she's in magical jail, she can't go there, so Detlef being, uh, or the Beast of Oakland, I forget the names, fucking, the dude being pissed off and being a higher vampire basically rallies, like, all the vampires in the area and assaults uh, Toussaint. And you basically have two choices of either jailbreaking the sister in order to try and explain to the dude, or um, your vampire buddy tells you that there's, like, even above higher vampire, there's basically, like, this council of, like, 
the highest level of vampire that there is. They're called, like, the Silence or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's basically, like, the vampire version of the Illuminati. It's, like, I don't know, if the first vampires to ever exist. It's, like, these are the dudes, and if they give a summons, and it cannot be ignored by any vampire. And uh, I didn't go this route because, like, it, while it seemed interesting, I wanted to try and like resolve things with as little death as possible. Because your your vampire friend is actually super endearing. He's super fun. Um, but basically, like, um, so you meet up, and when Beast of Beauclair arrives, he's super pissed off. And if you don't get the bracelet from the from the little girl in the fairy tale world uh he just straight up kills the sister because the bracelet while seeming completely mundane it's actually magical and it teleports her back to the fairy tale prison when she's in danger so rather than getting like staked through the heart by a vampire hand she just gets bamfed out Okay. And so the beast gets even more mad, and then you basically you have the you have the title fight for uh, blood and wine. Like this is this is the the big bad boss, right? And he's actually really hard. I'm not gonna lie. Like I was super over leveled for like ninety percent of the game because I finished blood and wine around level fifty six, and there's like nothing near that. Uh, this guy almost gave me a run for my money a lot of times. Like it was a really challenging and a very cool boss fight, very memorable. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, yes. Like, what is this? Uh, wh- which boss is this? Is this like the Vampire Lord? It's it's um it's the Beast of Beauclair. Oh, the Beast of Beauclair. Understood. Okay. And it's interesting too because you f- you fight him a couple of times before this, and he's kind of a joke, but like he's been holding back. Because he's had, he hasn't ever like entered his true like vampire form, and it's pretty it was pretty fucking cool. Because when he has his transition phase, he's all like, "If you keep any gods, start praying." And normally, <laughs> I like I kind of hand waved, and I was like, "All right, he's being edgy." And then he hit me for like ninety percent of my health. It's like, "Oh god, he's not fucking around anymore." <laughs> no, <laughs> giving you a run for your money. That's pretty cool. For real, it was super cool. Like it felt super good to be like challenged again because you reach a kind of critical mass point in Witcher Three where stuff just is like it can't keep up with you, mm-hmm. which is also cool. Like I like that feeling in a game where if you start out like always being the underdog and then eventually like reaching a point where it's like yeah I'm the one calling the shots and being badass, but like after a couple hours it kind of like wears down if you haven't hit you know the end yet and fought the final boss right so getting to the final boss and it not being like an utter cakewalk was super cool and it was a fun fight um so you resolve that um and basically like your vampire friend commits like this big taboo and vampire culture because he ends up like killing him and they're super like ah you're with us or against us why would you do that to one of our own um and so after that like after the title fight of the dlc basically you have this little epilogue of 
with him dead, the vampires who were summoned by him all kind of like fuck off and leave Toussaint alone for a bit. Uh, and you have the trial of the sister. And before the trial, you can go and talk to her, and it's optional. And depending on what you say to her, it can determine like if you get the best ending or the worst. Assuming she's not dead already. Because she can be dead before this if you don't have the wristband. So, right. obviously, there's no trial if she's dead. Um, so you go to this thing, and you get bestowed, like, the Toussaint Medal of Honor, whatever the highest, like, distinguished award there is. And you have the trial. And um, what I ended up getting was, because instead of saying, like, hey, have you tried maybe forgetting your sister? I was just kind of like, maybe you should have, like, you shouldn't be such a bad person. <laughs> um, what happens is, like, she feigns, like, regret and is like, oh, I'm so sorry about doing this to you, sister. Like, I just want to be your sister again. And the Duchess is like, you know, she's a bleeding heart sort of character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my god, this is the best thing. And they embrace, and then she's like, lol, JK, and pulls the hairpin out of the Duchess's hair and like stabs her in the back of the neck with it. And oh. she bleeds out, and then the guards nearby are like, ah, oh, shit, she killed the Duchess, and shoots her with a crossbow, and then she dies. And Geralt's just like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I got the darkest timeline, where um, after that, there's like a big like festival of mourning for the Duchess, because she was very loved as a ruler, and uh, she always like, kind of like the ideal like bleeding heart ruler, who they'll do what they need to when it comes the time to rule, but they also like very much care about their people. Uh, so the there's this huge festival and you can like go and like get some flowers to put on her grave and uh, your vampire buddy kind of talks with you a bit and he's all like, hmm, it's uh, kind of whack. Oh well. <laughs> uh, and in the epilogue you can kind of uh, have like a drink with him at the end where you kind of discuss like where you're going next and he's all like well I can't stay here anymore because all the vampires view me as like a huge traitor and this is like super taboo the thing I did so I think I'm going to go to Novigrad and uh, or Nilfgaard and Geralt's like why would you go there and do that to yourself and it's like well it's because they like they're they don't believe in magic anymore so they don't think vampires exist so I'll just kind of go incognito there Okay. Um, and is that is that like the precursor to the epilogue, or is this part of the epilogue? This is part of the epilogue, oh, and yeah, and then um, when you get back to um, after that little sequence with him, and you kind of part ways with him, you're left there like on a sunset hill, and you get your next quest objective is to just return home. And when you get there. <clears throat> One of your, uh, one of the people who like works your orchard is like, "Hey, this lady showed up and didn't say anything and just said she was here for you." And when you get there, it's uh, whoever your love interest was for uh, the main game is there, and it's like, "Hey, we finally settled down," and you get like basically the end. Okay. Oh, very cool. 
so so wow that's that is so much like that is so yeah. much from a dlc there that that is really expansive wow i mean the only it's thing huge. i heard the only thing i heard of blood and wine that sounded really funny to me and this is the only thing i've heard of before talking to you anyway was that there's a moment where Geralt opens up like a coffin and there's a vampire in there and like the ga- vampire basically just says hey is it is it like you know such and such year? And he's like, no, it's not like for like another fifty years or so. He's like, then fuck off and like puts him back <laughs> and then goes back yeah. into his fucking and goes back into his coffin. <laughs> yeah, what year is it? Uh, Thirteen eighty. Fuck off. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I I think that we're we're kind of rounding the end of our discussion here. I know it's been. I know. I know you're heartbroken over it. But I know. um. I would say that at this point, um, other than like maybe there's there we've discussed a few favorite moments from this game, such as like throwing the baby in an oven, <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> fucking I'm the, sure uh, the that vampire that tells context. you to fuck off, um, uh, the the final stand at Kaer Morin with the um, fucking uh, with the wild hunt, yeah. Um, but were there any other like moments from the game that you felt really stood out from this uh, from this series? Like some of your other favorite moments, um, a lot of the kind of like uh, climax of blood and wine that was really good, and it sticks out a lot because I also did it recently as opposed to like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just because that whole sequence is cool, and like, I, there's no way I can explain it all and really do it justice. No, it's of course not. Cool. It's something you'd have to play. Yeah, it's cool because it's like. It kind of reminds you that you're playing Witcher and that it's a dark fantasy game as when because it just super contrasts like the bright and happy like everything in Toussaint when everything kind of goes to shit. Mm -hmm. So that was super cool aside from just being like a really cool sequence to play through. Mm -hmm. Um, This one isn't really a side quest. It's more of like a hidden quest where um, the five virtues of Toussaint, there throughout the uh, DLC, you have a couple of opportunities to actually like embody those virtues. Mm-hmm. And if you do all five, you can go to this special place and be deemed worthy to wield like Arendot, which is a ridiculously powerful silver sword that you can get your okay. hands on. Because basically it's like after you attack 10 times without being hit, you do like a special attack and the weapon damage gets permanently increased on oh, the weapon. wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. So it's like a weapon that sort of grows with your character if you want yeah, it to. Yeah, and the cap raises as you gain levels. So it's like, it's it's a ridiculously strong sword that I didn't really use because I was a sign build. And so hitting stuff was kind of like, why bother? My, 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 my weapon attacks were really bad, but my signs would delete entire crowds with one push of a button. So that's where I was on that. But I still use it for a while because it's kind of cool. But basically the fight is like, you basically fight Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> like, you go into this pond and there's this like monk dude who's there and he like pulls the sword from beneath the waters and you're walking on water and he's walking on water and you fight him and after you beat him you get the sword so it's like you duel jesus for the best silver sword in the game (laughs) oh that's so cool all right so 
uh, we've talked about some of our favorite moments. What was uh, some favorite characters of yours from this series? At least from this, um, from The Witcher Three, anyway. Yennefer was really like I really liked pursuing her storyline because uh, she uh, kind of brings some of the beats back to things that happened in the books, which is always cool. Like um, when Geralt like wished from a djinn to kind of like bind them, she there's a quest chain in her romance where you um, basically help her find a djinn to undo that to see it's like do we really love each other and do we keep finding each other because of this or is it because magic is bullshit. Right, yeah, exactly. Is it because magic is influencing our feelings for each other or is it because we actually have those feelings? Yeah, so that was... It's a little, like, wholesome moment that I really enjoyed. Um, anything with Siri, honestly, like... In video games or, like, in, uh, like, d and I can do, like, the dad thing, but, like, IRL, there's no fucking way I'd want to, like, even be anywhere near that. It's uh-huh. terrifying. So, like, pretending to be a dad, that's it's just wholesome vibes, you know? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, uh, series definitely uh, one of my favorites. Uh, I Even, like, some of, like, the side characters, like, I really enjoyed the Red Baron as a character because he's a very conflicted oh, yeah. individual. And, he's um, super cool. Yeah, he's a very interesting character for sure, especially when you like start to like really dig into his storyline and what's going on yeah. with him and why everything is the way that it is. Is it that because he's just a drunk wife beater or is it because or is there something else going on here? Yeah. Sort of idea. Also his voice actor is pretty fun. Yeah, I have to yeah, I have to say that they did like the voice acting in this game is really good also. There's a lot of yeah. it's 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 very very uh it's really good. I also liked Dandelion as a character as well. Dandelion's great. Um, your buddy, I'm a little your, sad. Your dwarf buddy, I think it's Zoltan. Zoltan, yeah, yeah. Zoltan is great. Also, I really like. I, I like Geralt's friends, like his chummy buds yeah. that he gets with all the time. They're just great. They're they're super great. You always feel like, oh, this is my buddy. He's always going to be my friend. You know? Zoltan's great. I fucking love him. I'm really sad that Zoltan and Dandelion didn't have as big of like a role in Witcher Three as they did in Two. Yeah, I, I really wish that they like came around. Like maybe I don't think they go to Care Morin with you either. I don't think they do anything no, like that. They're not. They're not fighters. Like, yeah, exactly. No, they're more. They're more of the, uh, the the social type. Yeah, but like they were around for the ride in Witcher Two, and this it's like you talk with them a little bit in Novigrad, and then that's it yeah exactly and they have like some like little like uh, minor influence on the main plot as well yeah I'm trying it's to think like... of some other characters i really enjoyed and uh vesemir i really like vesemir just because i like the the yeah. the, 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 the uh <laughs> the curmudgeon old man like like stereotype yeah. I, just, I love that archetype or archetype Pop rather vesemir. yeah yeah oh uh, yeah vesemir's death is probably one of the sadder things too yeah that was like a big bummer. I like scrambled looking for like, is there a way I can save Vesemir? And nope, that is like no. a plot point. He is supposed to die. That was yeah. That was very like compelling when you go with Siri to like basically take vengeance. Yeah, exactly. And it's great too because it's like when you beat him, it's all like the elf dude. He's like, ah, how did you get so good at fighting? And he's like, I was taught by the Witcher. You killed and he fucking. Nixon. Yeah, and then just destroys, like, demolishes this man. 
Oh my god, that same guy, the, the succubus party. <laughs> <laughs> you go with Siri and it's like just this elf and then there's just a bunch of succubi having a great time and you're like, damn, I feel like I walked in on something. Like, yeah, right, There's a, this is his like weird orgy party he's got with demons right now. Okay. Yeah. You truly He's just him. vibing. He's vibing real hard. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I think that this is a good a good point for us to uh, give our final ratings on this game. So on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the Witcher series? Or would you rate... Not, not the series, excuse me, just the Witcher 3. Witcher 3? Um, I mean, honestly, fucking, like, 42. <laughs> 42 out of 10? All right, cool. <laughs> It's I, such a good game, man. It, like, it really is, though. It, it really is. I mean, I would probably easily give it a 10 out of 10 on this one, just because, yeah. I mean, I would even, I would lower my rating, potentially, just for, like, length, and because it's not yeah. accessible to everyone. For real. But, but even then, but even then, the length is necessary for how they set up the narrative, so I can't really give them yeah. neg points for that at all. I think that it's it's necessary for what they're trying to do. Like as a put, and it fe- it feels really good too. Like I really enjoy the narrative and games, and that's why I am like fond of a lot of RPGs. But it's like it it goes against the sort of like the grain. I feel like in that a lot of RPGs similar to Witcher, like Dragon Age, like Dragon Age is always broken up into like three or four different acts. Yeah. And, like, you, there's a very, like, basically any time a big story beat happens, that's the end of that act, and you move on to the next, and it's just, like, building up for the next beat, and then you have that. Whereas, like, Witcher, it's, like, it it just keeps going, you know? Yeah, exactly. They, they It can just keep on going with the same story that they have, because they have so much to work with. Yeah. And so it's, it's a very, very well-written game and it's got like a lot of like good source material to draw from it's just a hell of a good time because another thing that like despite being like gritty dark fantasy it's not obnoxious about it like when everything's dark and miserable and like there's no nothing to like kind of break the mold a bit then it, you just kind of like get apathetic to it and you're like oh boy grimdark everything whereas like witcher still has like it's bright and funny moments it's not afraid to like make jokes yeah like, i i have entertain to, you yeah i really would have to agree with you on that that the game itself it really doesn't it doesn't take itself too seriously but it takes itself seriously enough that it's grounded it's grounded yeah. in like a semblance of realism or at least as real as you can get i mean we're dealing with a fantasy setting so you know, realism kind of goes out the window times like times like that, but it does keep itself really well grounded. Whereas, you know, decisions are gritty. Your decisions, your choices, and like you know, like how things play out is very much like I don't know. It just feels very grounded in reality for being a fantasy game, and I think yeah. that's a, a big high point for it. It feel it feels real, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I, I, I even even like the sword play and whatnot feels very like very fluid and whatnot yeah. watching all of the like the sword strikes and everything and the parries and things like that and even like when you miss yeah. a strike you're like open for that like you know 0.3 seconds you know and that's just enough time for your enemy to hit you things yeah. like that so like even mistakes in combat and decisions in combat really matter towards the end result of those fights yeah and it's like and it's not without its flaws either like i'm not just gonna be here like sucking the witcher dick the whole time like as fun as it is to do like it is it does have its clunky bits 
on times, but it's like, it, I don't know. It doesn't feel like enough to really like subtract from the enjoyment of the game. For yeah. Me. Yeah. At I, least for I, me. Yeah. There, there's definitely moments where you are not, where it's not as like polished as you'd like it to be. And you know, there's, yeah. there's always going to be things that you, you would want different in a game to suit whatever your play style is going to be. But otherwise yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't really feel like it detracts enough from it to really like drag the experience down at all. It really just stays right where it yeah. needs to and gets right to its point. Yeah. And, uh, my, it's fantastic. Probably like my biggest complaint is um, just like the oil system. Like I'll, while it's super cool, like when your oils run out, like every 10 hits in the early game, it's super annoying to have to like stop combat and then reapply oil. And yeah. then get back into it. Yeah, I can I can definitely see that kind of kills the beats of combat in a way. So you kind of like yeah. feel a little bit less in control of what's going on. Or you feel like you you've yeah. taken control away from your enemy. Yeah. As well. Whereas yeah, like, like whereas you want like to be matched to them. You want a challenging experience that's rewarding. Yeah. Um so uh before we end this, uh do you have any final thoughts? on these games for for our listeners <laughs> um witcher is really good and if you haven't played it you should um witcher 2 is a very like it's a bit of a clunky mess especially compared to witcher 3 like there's going to be some like very awkward like translations of controls between the two games, but I would definitely recommend playing both um, because there's uh, important characters that will be popping up in Witcher 3 who are, like, recurring from 2. Um, and, like, there's a lot of referencing to events that happened in Witcher 2. Mm -hmm. uh, so having the context for that makes, makes like, when those, like, callbacks kind of happen, it feels a lot cooler and you're like hey i was there i did that yeah right um especially when you meet like other characters as well like basically uh there's a cameo of the potential final boss of witcher 2 as a friend who's helping you defend care more and then witcher 3 like oh yeah no that yeah, there was a character that i was missing at the end so that makes a lot of sense. So I, I would I would say that like it's not necessary to play The Witcher 2 before you play Witcher 3. But no, it is definitely it's not at all. Uh, an enhancement on the experience if you have played the second one before though. Yes. Because you will understand like a lot of the times, especially with like like with like Kira Metz, or was it Metz? Mm -hmm. Kira with her, like I didn't quite understand what she was talking about. So when I, I just like understood that what she was doing with magic could kill a whole lot of people. So mm -hmm. I ended up killing her at the end of that one and fighting her, which I guess is, like, not necessarily, like, the best decision. Oops. Um, yeah, but, like, I, cause uh... it, but it was mostly because I didn't fully understand, like, the surrounding information that was going on with her and what, what she was really all about. And it wasn't until later on in the game that I started to, like, kind of figure out the those beats. So that's, yeah. like, some of those things is you really have to pay attention and do maybe, like, do some research in your uh, codexes and whatnot to figure out what everything is before oh making God, some decisions. Oh, my God, I just remembered another funny bit that stood out. <laughs> it was fucking hilarious. 
the the night before the battle at Care Morin when you can get drunk with your Witcher friends. Oh hell yeah! This is so funny. Play play drinking games, and then you have the option to like drunk call the other sorceresses. <laughs> <laughs> Oh I my can't God. believe I forgot about that. Oh that's my great. God. No, I, I I remember that as well. No, that's really that's a really really funny part of the game. Play um, Witcher, just play Witcher. But, it's great. Oh if you yeah, like RPGs. I, play Witcher. Yeah, exactly. If, I, I my sentiments exactly. I I would definitely say that it's worth it just to experience like a true RPG that really has your decisions matter. Yes. They really do, and that's and that's really one of the big highlights of this one that really sets it apart from all the other modern RPGs that are out right yeah. now. And, like, come back to help you, too. Like, so many RPGs fall into the trap of, like, when you make a choice, then something will come back to bite you in the ass later. But it's like, with Witcher, if you make choices, like, those choices can definitely bite you in the ass later or immediately, but they can also benefit you immediately and later. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that, and that's just and that's just what makes it like such a great game. I think that's why it's like yeah. with, withstood like the test of time, and still people still talk about it. Yeah, it's a good game. There's yeah. there's too much to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, it's our, our, so our... so much bulk. It's hard to like. I want to just rant and rave about so much, but it's I know, like, yeah, we just don't have all the time. I mean, we're sitting at our 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 discussion so far has gone on for almost two hours now. Jesus. So my it, assuming I even <laughs> edit that much, it's going to be a pain in the ass. But I'm excited. Yeah. Um, but thank definitely. you so much, Tag, for coming in and talking with me about this. And oh, uh, I'm very to excited to ha- get this episode on there. I think the I think the people will enjoy hearing this. <laughs> so thank you so much for uh, for spending this like two hour time slot talking with me about this amazing game. I uh, really appreciate your yeah. time. Uh, and perhaps no uh, if we play some other games later on that we both played, I'll have you on another time because this was very enjoyable. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. I definitely had fun. I'll fucking rant about Witcher being a great game like <laughs> any day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no joke, right? No joke. I will sing its praises. Well, have yourself True. a good day, Tag. You too. All right. And uh, I will, we'll talk about uh, Well, I'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to play some more video games. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have yourself a good one. All righty, you too. All right, bye-bye. Bye.